0: This is Infinite Spaghetti, a guided tour of the cosplay and creative archives with your host, Ethan Minsker, part of the Project Nerd Podcast Network. Hello, people out there in the interweb world. This is the beginning, the start place of Infinite Spaghetti number eight. Today, I'm introducing Jennifer Mayhem's muse.
1: There you go. Hey everybody, uh, I'm Jennifer Larson, also known as Mayhem's Muse, which is a name that came out of my uh, time playing roller derby. I am a cosplay writer primarily. Previously, did a lot of cosplay. My background comes from Austin, Texas, in the fashion scene, fashion and photography. I did a lot of. On set work for photographer workshops and having a persona to play it makes those kinds of things a lot easier and more visual for people so I started really getting into cosplay and The creative aspect of putting together characters and collaborating with other artists and doing things of that nature so i have been cosplay modeling for over 10 years i have been the primary writer for Belle of lost souls which is a tabletop rpg and wargaming site primarily before i came on board and they've now been covering cosplay for the last four years it's become one of the top view gathering articles uh, article genres on the website. So I've been writing for them for four years. I write three articles a week for Belle Vossels, cover everything from anime to comic characters to TV and video games and everything in between. It's been a really interesting journey getting into cosplay. I've always been a fan of specifically video games and like JRPGs and things that are really narrative and fantasy based. And The opportunity to become those characters and to embody them, always very empowering and inspiring. You know, you live a very mundane day-to-day life. So being able to become more than that and to assume characters and share those with other people is a really enlightening and empowering experience.
0: Let's start with the beginning of how you first started with cosplay and like what you thought of it and...
1: So I grew up in a military family. We bounced around a lot and I didn't have much opportunity to bond with kids my own age. So I lived mostly in my own fantasy world and the opportunity to uh, dress up and and do costumes and, you know, be somebody else on Halloween was always very appealing to me. So from a very early age, I started doing things like that. I mean, I very vividly remember as I think I think four or five year old having my mom spray paint my hair black so that I could be Jasmine for Halloween and I've always had a big fascination with like very strong powerful female characters uh, from film and video games and things and then into high school I finally was in one place long enough to to make friends and you know kind of get a group around me so my freshman year of high school, I did a Galadriel cosplay and again, strong, dynamic female character. And that kind of stuck with me. I've always been obsessed with Final Fantasy. It's one of my very favorite fandoms. I've done a Tara Bradford cons- cosplay. I've done the Sorceress Adia. Those very dynamic, interesting, very visual female characters, um, Dark Phoenix, Chitara, really strong female characters are my jam as an adult, moved up to Austin, Texas, and was trying to make my go of it. I was working as a wedding coordinator and an event coordinator, and that was when I was introduced to fashion and runway modeling. And through that, I met uh, Josh Baker of Azulox Photography, who's one of my very favorite creative partners. Uh, He and I bonded over a love of Richard Avedon and Susie Parker from the 1960s. Our first solo photo shoot together was basically me cosplaying as Susie Parker. It was one of the first opportunities I had to step into the shoes of somebody who was a lot more confident and strong-minded than I was at the time. I was very introverted and very insecure and I hated having my picture taken growing up as an adult and as a model. That was my attempt to kind of baby bird myself out of the nest and say, all right, you're not comfortable having your picture taken? All right, you're gonna do that repeatedly over and over again until you get comfortable with it. And I met so many amazing creative people in Austin, Texas who, had a heart for cosplay and for just telling dynamic stories through pictures and that became a very easy, you know, comfort zone for me. And so I led into cosplay because it gave me as I said characters to to play and stories to tell that were accessible to people that didn't understand anything about those characters. So if you're working with a baby photographer who's trying to learn how to work with a model, that can be intimidating and you need some safe shoes to step into. So if you come as Chitara or as the Dark Phoenix, those are characters that are readily recognizable and people can step very easily into their world and understand how they should be photographed and how you would react to them and interact with them. So for about seven years in Austin, I worked as a, a model and as a a teacher of sorts, um, teaching photographers how to relate to models and subjects and and to become more creative and communicate well through their creativity. So cosplay has always been kind of a medium for me to relate to other people and to develop my own self-confidence and to get outside of my shell and embody some of the characteristics that I really wish were intrinsic to me. Um, and as you're seeing on the screen here, a lot of the articles that I've written for Bell of Lost Souls, as well as some of the collaborative work that I do with One of us.net. And so it's been a real joy, especially recently, the last four years or so, to take some of what I see in the world and the things that inspire me and to share those with other people. Bell of Lost Souls, I was hired to build them a video broadcast studio uh, five years ago because they wanted to get into Twitch broadcasting, which was uh, one of the mediums that I was working in at the time. Realized very quickly that not only was I capable of doing that, but that I had this huge passion and and love of cosplay. And I knew a lot of people who had been working in that genre. I know a bunch of artists, I've coordinated conventions and I've brought people together. That's one of the, the things that I'm most passionate about is connecting people. So I started feeding them cosplay information and cosplay article content and we started with covering Warhammer 40k and then expanded into many different artists and so now I cover just about every genre of cosplay known to mankind. Cosplay is such a community driven field. It doesn't matter if you are the most talented person on the planet or if you are closet cosplaying or if you know you put some construction paper together and you made a thing. People get excited about it and it brings them together and it creates connections that are unique. So for me, being a writer in the cosplay genre allows me to highlight those people who might not get traffic otherwise and to teach people who know nothing about cosplay or costuming or how to embody those characters. It gives them a peek behind that curtain and into that world and shows them that, you know, you can be creative if you want to. You don't have to be talented at anything. You don't have to have a set of skills. You can learn anything you want to from the ground up as long as you have the motivation to do so and a little bit of discipline behind it. So cosplay has been a really great uniting force in my life. If you're interested in cosplay or you're interested in learning about it, whether or not you want to do it, it is for you. Do not ever let anybody tell you that you can't do it, that you aren't qualified, that you aren't talented enough. If you have an interest in something, it's for you. And you need to put effort into it and you need to follow that that ambition. And... Don't ever let anybody tell you otherwise. And also don't ever be afraid to ask other people for help or for ideas or to to bounce ideas off of people. In my experience in this community, it's very rare to find anybody who's not open and willing to share a bit of their creativity with other people. If you are interested in something and you're looking for resources, you will find them. Come find me on Bell of Lost Souls and I'll point you in the right direction or look on any cosplay forum on Facebook. But people are always going to be welcoming. And if you come in with a spirit of, hey, I want to learn and I want to grow, people are going to help you and the resources are going to be out there. So if you're interested in it and you want to do it, do it period.
0: I want to make sure that people listening, because this isn't just a video thing. This is also put out as a podcast and meaning just audio. So before we were talking about her Facebook profile page, that's Mayhem's Muse, Jennifer Lynn Larson, if you're looking that up. And again, this is also a video at some point. So you'll be able to go back and see all this stuff Let's go over the archery and weaponry and all of that stuff. We have to start with the origin story.
1: We have a- How many horses? Two at present. We will have more eventually.
0: And where are you located? Texas. In Austin? Uh, Houston. Houston. Oh, But our nice. horses
1: currently live with our horse trainer who's up in Stephenville, which is about five hours from us.
0: You need him specifically because it's- Related to weapons and all that.
1: It's more affordability right now. You know, we've stepped into horseback archery within the last three years. The horses came along soon after, but we have an apartment in the city and are currently saving up to buy, you know, a ranch and some land so that we can have our own place with the horses. But for now, as the horses are being trained for horseback archery, they, they live with our trainer because he's, you know, running them through the gamut. Basically, our horses go to boarding school. And we come and right. visit them occasionally and we get to train with them and then we'll go to competitions and we'll train the horses out with us. So way back in yesterday, uh, I was actually part of a Dungeons and Dragons group with a bunch of the folks from the local roller derby league, uh, Texas Roller Derby, uh, TXRD, which the movie Whip It was written about. Me and some of the referees and players from that, that league were in a D&D campaign. And one of the folks that started that group was a regular attendee of the Sherwood Forest Renaissance Festival, which is about 30 minutes outside of Austin, and where I lived at the time. He would go every season. It's eight weeks at a, at a time. And every weekend they'd go out and camp together and had this nice little group that would camp and be at the fair. And it's the only Ren fair in the country that has a full archery tournament every day of the fair you can come in and you can you know bring a bow and you can compete and it's it's actually quite fun in this group i was playing a ranger an elven ranger character and during the course of the campaign it came out that i'd always loved horses and always loved archery but i never had the opportunity to actually learn how to ride or shoot i come in one day and he goes oh hey i happened to have gotten drunk at a fair one day and i bought a left-handed bow and i'm not left-handed so i can't use it and it sat in my closet for 3 years you're left-handed. Here you go. Happy birthday. So he gifts me this bow. And here I am with no knowledge of how to use it or anything. And I pick this bow up and take it out to the Ren fair and get some lessons, buy some arrows. And the next thing you know, I spent the whole season out at this Ren fair competing in the archery tournament. And towards the end of that season, I helped to coordinate a charity fundraiser for the Knights of the Grail, which is a veterans nonprofit organization that uses horses and and equestrian training To help veterans with PTSD. It's an amazing charity. So if you've not heard of them, you should go check them out. Knights of the Grail. So we were attempting to raise more funds for this charity at the fair, which was like kind of the pet project of the fair. And so I organized this archery tournament of all of the archers at the fair who compete every day at the same distance with the same bows in the same way. And there are so many other things that you can do in archery you don't normally get to do on a day-to-day basis at the competition. So we organized this fun competition where you had to, you know, do the William Tell shoot where you take a stuffed foam head and you shoot an apple off the top of it for points or you shoot off of the top of a staircase down at a target on the ground or you shoot multiple arrows at once and see who can shoot the most arrows and get the most points, that kind of thing. And during the course of organizing this competition, um, I met a gentleman who I had seen at the fair but never had an opportunity to talk to. Uh, His name is Rob Morton. He's the owner and operator of the Flying Hun Archery and Leather. Uh, if you've seen the Modern Rogues, they did a video on um, how to shoot like a Mongol warrior. And my my now partner, Rob, uh, the Flying Hun, was one of the archers in that video. And he taught all of the lessons to them on how to do archery. So I met him at the fair because his company owns one of the booths, one of the shops that are out at the fair and started the archery, um, the, open, the Royal Open Archery Tournament out at the fair. And so he and I got to talking over this, this nonprofit event and you know, bonded over a love of Dragonlance and archery and a bunch of other things, and have been thick, and thick as thieves ever since. And ended up dating, and so here we are, over four years later, and we've traveled all over the world for historical archery competitions. You know, wearing traditional garb, we shoot traditional Turkish bows. In 2018, we were invited as part of the first American archery team to be invited to the World Nomad Games, which is, was held that year in Kyrgyzstan, the Kirchin Gorge, which is the valley where Genghis. Used to summer his army, so it was this amazing competition of over fifty countries worth of archers who all competed together on this amazing competition ground for a week or two, and we got to you know become connected to this international community of his- historians and historical archers, and it went from being you know us isolated in the United States, being some of the only people in the country that study the history of Asiatic archery, to being connected to this world unit. And we met there the representatives of Okcular Vakfi, which is the oldest existing archery club in the world. It's in Istanbul. And they host every year the Conquest Cup, or Feti Kupasi, as they call it. And they invited us to come to Turkey, be part of the, the Conquest Cup as the first American team to come to Turkey to compete. So we've been to Kyrgyzstan, we've been to Turkey, been to Hungary and other countries as well competing in historical archery and being part of this international community. And then we were so inspired by what we saw overseas and the connection that happened between us and these other people that we came home. We had at that time founded our own archery club, which is called the Eastern Contingent and is both for horseback archery and ground archery, specifically of historical archery. And we decided that we wanted to host an event that would bring some of that joy and community and cultural awareness and connection back here to the United States. So we hosted the first Texas International Archery Festival. It was just outside of Austin at Sherwood Forest Fair in 2019, and we had archers from over 13 different countries, native nations. We had over 80 competitors and over 500 attendees that came to this festival that we put together basically with a shoestring budget and uh, no sleep. A lot of effort and heart brought people together for what was at the time one of the largest historical ground archery international competitions the US has ever seen. Challenging having COVID happen. We haven't been able to host it again. We had to cancel last year. And so now my partner Rob and I are both board of directors members for the Mounted Archery Association of the America, which is the governing body for horseback archery in the US. And I'm a member of the board of directors for the International Horseback Archery Alliance, which is the world governing body for horseback archery. So we're part of this amazing, small, intimate community of people all over the world who love history and archery and equestrian sport and kind of come all together for, for the love of that.
0: If you were going to give advice to somebody who is interested in starting this out.
1: If you're interested in horseback archery, go to mountedarchery.org, the USA governing body for Mounted Archery. If you send them a message on that page, it'll probably be me who responds to you. But we can hook you up with any club that's in your region. We've got clubs in almost every state in the US. There are 35 clubs, including Alaska. This community is great at sharing resources and connecting people. Very similar to the cosplay community. It's got some of the same vibes and some of the same energy behind it. If you're interested in ground archery in the United States, feel free to reach out to us at the Eastern Contingent. If you're in Texas to teach you personally, or if you're in another state to hook you up with people that do historical archery as well. Historical archery is kind of a niche within a niche. Most archery in the United States is Olympic recurve or bare bow or compound. That's like 95% of archery in the US and the 5% is traditional archery. And within the realm of traditional archery, about 4% of that is all longbow. Not only can we teach long group, um, but we specialize in Asiatic archery. So traditional Asiatic Greek curves. And that's like 1% of the 5% of traditional archery in the US.
0: I'd say we have a couple comments here from uh, Iggy. Iggy's hey, my Iggy. stalker. <laughs> I told you restraining order is still applies for internet. Does it? I'm just kidding. No, for those who are listening, Iggy's comment was roller derby D&D team leads to archery, that's as legit as it gets. So with the swords, there's no swords in this?
1: Essentially, we're studying the lives of historical cavalry and and archers from back in the day, so the soldiers of the time and part of that was uh, studying the Shamshir or the cavalry saber I had actually just started taking cavalry saber lessons right before COVID hit and right before I moved to Houston so that's part of the skills that we are hoping to incorporate into our practice, uh, not only the saber but the Kalkan, which is this shield you see behind me, this is a mm. traditional Ottoman shield uh, that would be used with the bow, you wear it on your bow arm so that it protects you from you know oncoming fire as you're shooting. Incorporate those. There are also different uh, weapons like the Jarit, which is a very short cavalry spear that would be it'd be about this long that you would lawn dart at people, as well as you know full spears and other things like that. So eventually, as we build our skill set up, we hope to incorporate all of those other aspects into our practice too.
0: I think people out there have this conception that someone mounted on a horse is not that much of a threat, but Like, I was part of the uh, punk rock world in Washington, D.C. They used to have these concerts on um, 4th of July called Rock Against Reagan. And the way they would close that event, because they had to get permits for it, is that every 4th of July, at the end of it, the police would show up in riot gear and on horseback. Being personally pushed out of the way by a horse, is there's nothing more scarier than that, because it's like... They're totally trained to just like it doesn't matter if you're there or not, you are moved. It's like a, a huge muscle just it's coming out. Like cattle at you. cutting,
1: but for people. Oh yeah. So if you've never looked into uh, cattle cutting horses, they're they are fierce. Like they are trained to herd cattle with their bodies physically. Yeah. So it's it's phenomenal to see. We actually have one of the members of our club, Aaron, um, has taken on a horse who, in its previous life, was a police horse. So we have uh, one of those celebrities in our chapter right now, which is really cool to see. She's just begun the journey of training him for mounted archery and is really excited about doing the work with him. I've fallen in love with this show over the last few weeks. It's an older show, but I've just discovered it. It's called Heartland which is the story of a horse rehabilitation uh, ranch up in Canada talks very honestly about horse work and about how to bond with horses and the work that goes into rehabilitating them. Fascinating. And it's a drama, like it's a scripted TV show.
0: And if you're looking for that Netflix one, it's concrete cowboys. I don't want to plug Netflix all day. Screw Netflix, (laughs) watch it if you have to, but go somewhere else to watch everything else. They're not helpful to independent films. Not that anybody is. Well, if you're interested, go to Amazon Prime, search Ethan Minsker. You'll see about 10 films all on that subject. Many, many art films while they're still there because Amazon has been taking down other independent films. So you do a Twitch page. What happens on the Twitch page? And this is broadcasting onto the Project Nerd Twitch, too, by the way.
1: Yeah. So when I was in the midst of, you know, making a living, modeling and acting and doing all of that, the gig life, you have lots of downtime in between. And I didn't want to let that time go to waste. And I love playing video games. So Twitch was just starting to become a big thing at the time. And so I logged on one day and researched the one game that I knew inside and out that was my comfort zone, which is Final Fantasy VII, and found an amazing gent from the UK named Swoogie is a speedrunner on Twitch for Final Fantasy VII and came in and his community is just phenomenal and very welcoming and got to talking with him about what he does and why, and ended up taking the step into doing Twitch broadcasts myself. I think the first game I played on Twitch was probably Final Fantasy VII. For me, it was more of a community-based thing, um, sharing my love of games that I enjoy with people. I actually have not broadcast in quite a while. I picked it back up when COVID hit and broadcasted for a few months, um, March and April, I think, of last year. And then I ended up enrolling back in university, and that kind of ate up all of my free time. It's a really great medium, Twitch, for connecting people. And I've done you know, Dungeons and Dragons campaigns on there, played video games and done cooking streams and all sorts of things. It was just a great way to keep myself talking and getting myself used to carrying a room even when I'm in the comfort of my own home. So I created this character that was a Caganesti elven druid with a story that was kind of unique because the character I created was basically called on by one of the gods of magic to leave her homeland, which never happens for the Kaganesti, they are very homebody, to leave her homeland and to go on a mission to collaborate with other people and to kind of bring balance back into a world full of chaos. Elven character um, has these amazing tattoos and I got to work with a henna artist who tattooed me for the photo shoot that I did for that character. And again,
0: for the people that are listening to this, you're just not going to see it. You're going to have to go to YouTube or Project Nerd directly and check it out. And while you're there, you might see some other shows you like, but stick with Infinite Spaghetti because we carry you through all the way to the end.
1: (laughs) I don't do downtime well. I am an overachiever. I overcommit to everything and I'm always doing a thousand things. It drives my partner nuts.
0: High five (laughs) to that. I'm exactly with you in that same boat.
1: To me, I took the first month of COVID as a, oh, great, it's this is a great forced opportunity to just sit down for a minute and breathe, which I don't ever do. And then I woke up one day and was like, okay, we've had enough of that. We need to actually do something with our lives or we're going to go nuts. Got online and started researching programs that suited the work I was doing and ended up finding Denver University. And they have one of the most progressive programs for asynchronous learning out there. So it's all completely... Self-directed classes. I don't have to go to a classroom. I don't have to take any tests. It's all essays and personal work. And it's been a phenomenal learning experience.
0: Live, who is, I can see is one person. One person watching Hey,
1: small yet mighty audience. We appreciate you.
0: That's, yes. I I love you, whoever you are. It's probably my mom. Or maybe it's me because (laughs) I have it on my Facebook thing open. So it's an, an instantaneous loop.
1: Cosplay and archery are both very connective communities of people, uh, and are open to anybody with any interest. So if you are feeling down because you're, you know, cooped up in your house, contact your local archery range. There are a lot of archery ranges that are outdoors right now and that are teaching socially distanced lessons, which is phenomenal. And archery in general is a very Zen self-driven balancing activity. I do suggest it for anybody of any age. It is a incredibly grounding experience and you will very quickly find a very close-knit group of people who are very welcoming. Thousands and thousands of years of history of it so you'll never run out of new material to learn and to grow with. If you do cosplay or you are interested in cosplay you are more than welcome to reach out to me on Bella Blossouls Souls, jennifer at bullsinteractive.com. Send me an email, send me a comment. I'm on a bunch of social media and am always happy to talk to people about Cosplay, or community, or cultural awareness, or archery, or horseback archery, or any of those subjects. Reach out anytime.
0: Now we do this—the virtual handshake.
1: Oh, hello.
0: Wait, you're wait, doing that. Hand? Wait, let me.
1: Well, I'm doing my right hand because as you shake Right then... hand.
0: <laughs> Is that my? Yeah, but then all right, I'll do this for fiction. It's
1: mirrored. It's bad.
0: Uh, here Thank we go. you for watching Infinite Spaghetti. If you like the show, please share, comment, subscribe, rate, review. Shows like this only exist with the constant support of its viewing audience. For great cosplay content and amazing podcasts, head over to projectnerd.com. That's project-nerd.com.